As has been announced, I want to speak this morning upon what I have called Second Mile Religion. My text consists of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in the fifth chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, the verse 41. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twin. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twin. I want to handle this text in a very simple manner. I want first of all to have a look at the principle which this text propounds, that if we're asked to go one mile, we should go two miles. In other words, we should increase 100%. We should double up on what we're asked to do. And then I want, secondly, to look at that principle as it ought to be practiced among the people of God. So the points of the sermon are simple, the principle propounded, and the principle practiced. You know, when God asks us to do anything, and of course Jesus Christ was God, God manifest in flesh. When God asks us to do anything, everything that he asks us to do is according to his own nature, according to his own divine character, and according to his own divine will. And if you open your Bible and look into God's Word, you will find that this principle is propounded in every facet of Christian truth and in every realm of Christian revelation. The principle propounded firstly in this world. You know the story of creation. God saw what he had created, and it was very good. But the world that came from the hand of God was soon stained and soiled and scarred and marred by sin. In the sixth chapter of Genesis, there's the story of the great apostasy. Did God wipe out in judgment an apostate world? Did God say, this creation of my handiwork that has now become the sphere of sin, the arena of iniquity, I shall destroy it? No, God went the second mile with the human race. And instead of destroying 
The world in utter judgment. He washed it in the baptism of the flood. But see if Noah to continue the race. God went the second mile with his world. Secondly, God went the second mile in law and in grace. The first covenant that God made with man was a covenant of works. That if man did certain things, God would correspondingly bless man for his obedience. What happened? God could not keep his part of the covenant because man willfully and deliberately and persistently broke his part of the covenant. God said, Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Man broke the barriers, strayed into the forbidden territory, did the things that he ought not to do, and said the things that he ought not to say. And the covenant was broken, and there came a curse upon the race as covenant breakers. But God went the second mile. There is a second covenant. Not a works, but a grace. It is no longer thou shalt not for man, but the characteristic, the keynote of the covenant of grace is I will, the I will of God. We are not saved by what we do not do. We are not saved by what we do. We are saved by what Christ has done. This is the difference between the covenant of the law and the covenant of grace. It no longer depends upon ourselves. Aren't we glad this morning that our hope of heaven is not grounded in our own character, doesn't depend upon our own striving, doesn't depend upon our own obedience? If God were strict to mark iniquity, who would stand? While others build on good works, our opinions of the day, hallelujah, I'm depending on the blood. God went the second mile in the covenant of his grace. This is the principle propounded, isn't it? Thirdly, God went the second mile in the two priesthoods. There are two priesthoods in the Bible. There is the old Levitical priesthood, which had its head in Aaron, the Aaronic priesthood. A priesthood that failed miserably. Study the family of Aaron and you'll find it stained with sin. The first high priest of God, Aaron, became an idolater, made the golden calf, and led the children of Israel into a whoring after old Babylonian and Egyptian worship. And down through the whole Old Testament economy, the priesthood of Levi is marked by sin and scarred by failure. Every milestone along the journey that leads from Genesis to Malachi marks the failure of the Aaronic priesthood. But God went the second time. God instituted a new priesthood. 
He brought back the priesthood of Melchizedek. And he has made Christ a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The priesthood of Aaron is marked by sin. The priesthood of Christ is marked by sinlessness. The priesthood of Aaron is marked by failure. The priesthood of Christ is marked by triumph. The priesthood of Aaron is marked by repetition. They continually offered those sacrifices that could never take away sin. The priesthood of Christ is marked by the one all-sufficient, never-to-be-repeated sacrifice of the cross offered once and for all. And the work of Christ is complete. And God spent the second mile with man in the two priesthoods. Fourthly, God goes the second mile with man in his call. The Bible tells me that God speaketh once. That should be sufficient. But because of the hardness of hearing of the human race, God goes the second mile. God speaketh twice. Open your Bible and you will discover the double calls of God. Do you remember this scene on the summit of the hill cry? When Abraham was going to slay his son Isaac, there came a voice from the excellent glory. In Genesis chapter 22 and verse 11, Abraham, Abraham, God goes the second mile. He calls the name twice. Abraham, Abraham. One call would be sufficient, but God goes the second mile. Do you remember young Samuel? He went to sleep in the tent of the tabernacle. He didn't know the voice of God. He had no vision of Jehovah. And his slumbers were disturbed. And a voice was heard calling him. And he rose quickly and ran into the old priest Eli. And he said, Master, you called me. Eli said, No, my son, I didn't call. Do you remember the second time the call came? And he ran in again. And he said, But thou didst call me. He said, No. And Eli perceived it was the Lord that was calling him. And he said, Samuel, say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And if you read the scripture carefully, you will discover that the next time God called, it was a double call. God speaketh once, yea, twice. And he said, Samuel, Samuel. And young Samuel was very honest. He didn't say, speak, Lord, for he didn't know the Lord. He just said, speak for thy servant heareth. You'll find that beautiful revelation of God to Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 10. The next scene of Scripture that illustrates the double call is the Damascus Road. A horseman is riding furiously toward Damascus with his back towards the city of Jerusalem. He plunges his spurs into the flanks of a steed 
and soon they are crimson with the blood that he draws. His hands hold the reins, his face is contorted and distorted with rage. He's an evil man on an evil errand. He's going to haul the Christians to prison and to death. And there came a voice from heaven. Acts chapter 9 and verse 4. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? The double call. God goes the second mile in his call. This is the principle propounded. God goes the second mile in the two births. He gave us one birth. A natural birth. The birth that introduced us to sin. The birth that introduced us to all the curse of Adam's race. All the condemnation. Of sin. But let me say something. He didn't leave us there. God went the second mile. There's a second birth. There's a birth, my friend, that is spiritual. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's the first birth. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's the second birth. Marvel not, said the Lord Jesus Christ, that I say unto thee, ye must. Be born again. He went the second mile in the two births. He has gone the second mile in his commission. If you turn to the first chapter of Jonah, you will find that it says the word of God came unto Jonah. Jonah disobeyed. Typical of God's people disobeying God. He went away. And God produced a submarine for the old preacher. He rolled in the fish, his belly, and when he was spewed out onto the land again, we read the word of God came unto Jonah a second time. God goes the second mile in his commission. You remember that word that God spoke to you, believer, and you disobeyed, and he had to take you into a dark valley? And he had to afflict you with afflictions and chasten you with the chastening rod. And when the dark valley was left behind, the commission came a second time. The word of the God comes a second time. God goes with people in his commissions the second mile. And thank God we can say this morning that God goes with us in Christ. Comings a second time. Hebrews chapter 9, 26. We read, Thou once in the end of the age hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of Christ. You would have thought, wouldn't you, that when Christ came to this earth and was rejected and despised, and man put him in a tree and slew him and drew his wife's blood from his heart, that Christ would never return to this earth. That God would say that earth has rejected my son and crucified and slew My son, you'll never go back there. But God goes a second time and praise God. In the two verses after that great text I have just quoted, in Hebrews 9 and verse 28, it says, They that look for him shall he appear a second time.
coming a second time to this old earth, God goes the second by in Christ's appearing. So much for the principle propounded. Let us look at the principle practiced as it ought to be practiced among the people of God. My dear believer, you should go the second mile in zeal for the Lord. In this age of indifference and compromise and apostasy, in this age of materialism, in this age when there are so many voices calling for the attention of the people of God, God's people need to go the second mile in zeal for the Lord of hosts. Do you remember what it was said of Christ when he scourged the changers of money from his temple and turned over the tables of the money chamber that the disciples remembered the word of the prophet, the zeal of thy house hath eaten me up. Haven't we lost our zeal while harvest fields are vast and white? Haven't we as a church, haven't we as a people lost that white-hot zealousness that ought to characterize the people of God. This is a day when God's people drag their feet. This is a day when God's people are on a go-slow policy as far as the church is concerned. A working to rule as far as God's service is concerned. I met an old preacher some time ago and he said to me, I had a great Sunday last Sunday. I said, Hadley. he said, I had only to preach once. And I was finished at half past twelve and got my feet up for the rest of the day. I said, shame on you. I preach four times every Sunday. If I could get a fifth congregation to listen to me, I would go a fifth time. I want to tell you, friend, we need zeal for the Lord today. There are too many sleepers in the church. Remember when the County Down Railway was being sold, there was a great advert in the press. It would be suitable to hang on many a church notice board. And it read thus, Hundreds of old sleepers for sale would make excellent firing. Yeah. You could hang that on many a church. Let me say we need to go the second mile in zeal for the Lord. May God give us a baptism of zeal. Let's not drag our feet or adopt a go-slow policy any longer. Let's go the second mile. I would compel you to go one mile. God says go two. Go the second mile. We should go the second mile in our study of the Holy Scripture. Jesus said you'll not live by bread alone. That's why God's people are not living. They're just existing. The old saints of God really live. They were on the wing for God. Their biography was like a swift all passing through time. Why? Because they went the second mile with the word. They called the Puritans Bible words. 
because they were always at the book. You remember Thomas Chalmers, the founding father of the Free Church of Scotland. He entered the pulpit. He was ordained a modernist, or what was known in those days as a moderate. And he was always at his books when his elders came to see him. Books of astronomy, books of science, books of philosophy. Then one day God saved Thomas Chalmers. When the elders came to see him, they said, Sir, we see now you're only at one book, and you never let it from your desk. It was the book of God. You need to go the second mile in Bible study and in love of the Scripture. Oh, that we might have second mile religion. But it comes to this book. We need to go the second mile in prayer. Ah, yes. Now I'm talking about an uncomfortable subject to God's people. Now we're cutting too near to the knuckle when we come to the subject of prayer. How is it that God's people never go the second mile in prayer? If we rose this morning as a man and said, we'll go the second mile in prayer, this church would know an instantaneous revival. But we drag our feet. We work to rule when it comes to the prayer meetings. Are you going to go the second mile in prayer during this campaign? Are you going to really and truly go the second mile in prayer? Last night I was coming home from a meeting which I had in the town hall in Ballymoney. Very fine meeting. No seats available, the place jammed to suffocation. And I discovered that I was just going to run out of petrol about Richard. And I have a friend. It's a good thing to have a friend at midnight when you're short of load. I was short of fuel. And, of course, his garage was shut up, but I beheld a light in his bedroom, and I said, Brother, you're coming out of bed. So I went and hammered on the door. I got no response the first time, but I'm telling you, my second knock would have waked the dead. And soon he came to the door, and he opened it, and this face beamed. He said, Oh, I'm glad to see you. I'll get out of bed and fill your tank for you. He said, I just want to tell you night and day I'm praying for you. As I'm filling up these cars with petrol, I'm praying God will fill you with the Spirit of God. I'm glad I got him out of bed. That encouraged me. I'll tell you what's more, when he filled my tank, he said, that's for the Lord. That encouraged me even more. Yes. My friend, let me tell you, we need to go the second mile in prayer if this church has done anything for God, and thank God it has. If this place has been a testimony in an evil day of apostasy and modernism and resurgent ecumenism and Romanism, if this church has been anything, it is because God's people have gone the second mile in prayer. Let's keep at it. I would compel you to go one mile, go with me too. I would compel you to come to the prayer meeting, be at every prayer meeting. Let your voice be heard mingling, a cry to high heaven.
for blessing upon the work. We need to go the second mile in biblical separation. You know, the testimony of old Pharaoh needs not to be heeded. What did Pharaoh say? He said, don't go too far away. Just don't go too far, Moses. I'd like to get you back again. You know, there was a little boy and he was always falling out of bed. And his mother said, Johnny, why do you fall out of bed? He said, Mammy, I think I go to sleep too near the edge. You know, there's a lot of Christians too near the edge of the world. I fear for you. You're too near the edge of the world. Your separation is not second mile separation. You're just out of the world and no more. You're just out of apostasy and no more. God says, if a man compel you to go one mile, go with him to We need second mile separation of this day. We need this second mile philosophy and principle in the battle. Some of God's people don't fight the battle. They draw the sword, but they don't draw the blood. They are prepared to take up the posture of warfare. But they have never been in the heat. And then the terrible weariness of a deadly struggle with the powers of darkness. We need to go the second mile in the battle for the Lord. If anyone compel you to go with him, a mile go with him twin. Second mile religion. Double up your efforts. Increase your zeal for God. Your prayer life, your Bible reading, your battling for God, your separation from the world and apostasy a hundred percent. Would to God we would go the second mile in soul winning. I was encouraged this week. We have a member of this church who is in the medical world. He was visiting the home of a patient, young man who was an alcoholic. He testified to him. He brought him to this house on Wednesday evening. We knelt together, the three of us. I pointed him to Christ. That young man was going the second mile in soul winning. My, there's a joy when you go the second mile. You get the blessing. May the Lord fill us with his power and use us to his glory for Christ's sake.